You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Simon Waltorton. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 24 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and with me in Simon's garden is Simon Waltorton, my co-host. <laughs> yes, uh, it's a little bit breezy. Um, uh, welcome, Carlos, uh, to my uh, garden. We're, we're at the bottom of the uh, garden <laughs> the today. The bottom of the garden we are. And um, it's a lovely day. And um, are you sure we're on podcast 24 or is this 25? No, this is, this is number 24. Right. Um, definitely number 24. Right, okay. So, um, so we are. We're in. Uh, we're in Simon's garden. This is rather bizarre. We're yes, actually, but, we'll, we'll put the pictures on Facebook so you'll be able to see. Yeah. But um, it's a lovely day, as we said, and um, we've got a lot to talk about in this show. There's numerous air shows. Um, we've got Duxford and uh, Riyadh obviously clashing. Um, we've got news about the Red Arrows. News about the F thirty five. There's so much to talk about. Um, coming up, um, we've got air shows. In the coming weeks, uh, which we're going to, aren't we? We're a yep. busy uh, few weeks. Uh, we have, uh, yeah. We've got uh, React next weekend, uh, where me and Simon are there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday? No, just Friday, oh, just and, Friday and Saturday. Oh, we're Friday there Friday and, and Saturday. Yes. Um, the tickets, I know, um, as of today, are now sold out they for are, Saturday. Yep, they are. Um, but we are a little bit fortunate, um, I say fortunate, because we also have uh, tickets on the Friday, which is something new this year, but... That coincides with the Red Arrow's 50th uh, birthday, which um, uh, we have a special day there. And uh, we've got an air show. Uh, that air show, um, although it's a uh, pit day, they do have a complete lineup for aircraft that are flying. So Yeah. And also, we've uh, got some news on some interesting stuff for your, uh, your Android or your... Um your iPhones, which you can have as well for the air show. We'll we'll talk about that later. Yes, yes. So that's and, uh, uh, yeah, and we've got uh, Farnborough the week after. Yes, that, that's um, going to be a first for me because I've uh, never been to that one, so um, I'm not hundred um, percent sure what I'll uh, be uh, seeing. Although there'll be a lot of the uh, favourites there, but um, obviously there'll be a lot of displays by uh, sort of your side of the uh, um, <laughs> aircraft, commercial uh, aircraft. Lovely, can't yes. wait. Um, so that'll be uh, interesting to watch. Excellent. So you'll have to uh, excuse if there's a slight wind um, noise on the microphones, because like, as we said, we are in Simon's back garden um, in the sun with blue sky. This is uh, unheard of in the UK. Um, <laughs> cups blowing everywhere here. <laughs> <laughs> so excuse the wind noise. It shouldn't be too bad, though. No. But, um, we're going to uh, start off uh, episode 24, then, whereas we always do with the weekly rundown of the news from the airports, airlines, and around the world. So if you're ready, Simon. Yep, let's right, go. Let's go. So kicking off this week's news then, uh, we've got uh, a feature on Etihad, and uh, this one is uh, on the Buying Business Travel website. Etihad are launching mobile boarding passes. Uh, Etihad has introduced mobile boarding passes for passengers using its mobile online check-in facility. The service is only available from selected airports, and the mobile boarding pass will contain the same information as traditional passes, including guest's name, a seat number, as well as a barcode, which will be scanned by an electronic reader at the departure gate. 
The Gulf carrier has said that the uh, new facilities offer increased check-in options and reduces paper wastage and enables the storage of multiple boarding passes on one mobile device. Uh, the new feature available for passengers travelling from Abu Dhabi, Heathrow, Manchester, Doha, Colombo, uh, Daman, Dusseldorf, Frankfurt, Sao Paulo, Istanbul, Minsk, Munich and Tokyo Narita. Etihad said that number of passport uh, a number of airports equipped with the mobile boarding pass uh, readers will steadily increase as the airline installs the new technology across its global network. Our aim is to simplify and streamline the departure and boarding experience, says Etihad's Airways CEO uh, Peter Baumgartner. The elimination of paper boarding passes will be more convenient for our guests and reduce our environmental footprint, which is good for the guests and the business and the environment. So a lot of airlines have started doing this now, Simon, having these, uh, you can sort of have the boarding pass sent to your phone as a kind of uh, yes, a picture um, message kind yeah. of thing. I've actually uh, used that um, on one of my previous phones, um, doing the check-ins um, online, which uh, makes it um, easy, but... Um, you've got to understand that not every single person in the whole world uh, who flies does um, uh, have a um, phone. So um, it does uh, save a lot of money, I would imagine, through um, not having uh, paper print printouts, uh, which is good. And uh, you get the e-ticket, which can be sent mm. direct to your phone for an automatic check-in and an automatic baggage drop. I think a lot of people will be taking advantage of this. Like you said, for saving paper, you haven't got to print anything out. No. Uh, like we did uh, last week when we went to, you know, we, we went to Malt, we had to print our board and passes yes. out for Ryanair. Yes. Um, it'll save that, uh, save that. But you can, uh, most airlines now uh, offer the uh, check-in online anyway, so um, you can uh, do that on your um, Android phone or iPhone 5. Which is good. All yes. saves us time. Gives yes. us more t- more precious time for holidays. Simon. Yes, yes. So the next piece of news then is on the Travel Mall site. This one uh, is uh, regarding compensation claims, um, something that we talked about in previous podcasts. Our friends are currently in the process of uh, claiming um, from BA for a delayed flight. But this one is uh, saying that uh, airlines uh, are appearing to try and head off a flood of expensive compensation claims for the delayed flights caused by technical failures by voluntarily issuing passengers with travel vouchers instead of giving them cash. Early this month, a court of appeal ruled that airlines couldn't use aircraft technical faults as a blanket excuse to avoid compensation. Passengers on flights cancelled or delayed by more than three hours uh, are the ones who are affected uh, by this particular uh, event. It said that not all technical faults would be considered as the sort of extraordinary circumstances that allow airlines to avoid paying compensation under EU Regulation 261. The ruling which went against Jet 2 is expected to lead to a rise in successful claims against all airlines. Christophe Debu, a head of uh, the group head of air travel for Thomas Cook Group, said that uh, pending an appeal against the ruling by Jet 2, the company would put all claims that it could be paid under its new ruling on hold. However, early this week, Thomas Cook Airlines issued thousands of pounds in vouchers to passengers whose flight from Dalaman in Turkey to Gatwick was delayed by 22 hours. When the flight eventually took off on June the 9th, passengers were issued with letters and told to claim on their travel insurance. But one passenger said she had subsequently received £200 worth of vouchers from Thomas Cook. She told her travel agent she still intends to submit a claim form for, comp- for compensation for the delay, which she said was uh, she was informed uh, was due to a bird flying into uh, one of the engines on an inbound flight 
for the aircraft. Um, a spokesman uh, for the company said that the airline didn't consider the passengers were eligible for compensation under EU 261. And it was a delay relating to a technical issue which we consider extraordinary, he said. The vouchers were offered as a, ge- a gesture of goodwill. The airline has said that it also sent out vouchers instead of cash to passengers on other delayed flights who were eligible for cash compensation. The spokesman said passengers were sent vouchers unless they specified they wanted cash when they submitted their claims. He added if customer requests uh, for cash during the process or would rather have cash, then we would have offered cash or vouchers in exchange for this. So it's always ultimately with the customers uh, as for what they want to do as an agreement. Thompson said it would always pay cash compensation, but Monarch said that customers who accepted vouchers were offered 20% more than they are entitled to under EU 261. British Airways and Virgin Atlantic have also offered delayed passengers vouchers. Simon, what would you rather have? If you if you were delayed, you know, with the girls and uh, and the wife and stuff, and and you were delayed twenty five hours, so twenty four hours. Yes. Uh, what would you rather have? Would you rather have cash or vouchers to fly again? Um, I think I'd uh, most probably have the cash. Um, uh, and you must probably be the same with us on this. Um, I've been delayed in uh, Detroit before. Um, when uh, President Bush as uh, Air Force One was actually going over, so. It's actually a plane flying over now. Yes. <laughs> this is what we call, we like this, because um, I'm just going to quickly uh, take my headset off and go and see what aircraft this is. Because yes. This is uh, quite uh, new this, and this interesting is how, this, is, this is how live this is today. We are literally um, uh, recording in the garden uh, with full access to all aircraft flying overhead. So uh, for me, I, I would definitely uh, definitely rather have, I think, um, the uh, the money to spend on another. Because you, you never know whether you're going to fly with another airline. You might want to fly somewhere different. You uh, might necessarily not want to fly with that airline again. So uh, I think I'd rather have the cash, I think. So Simon uh, is uh, just eyes to the sky. Simon is at the moment. He's just uh, looking out for uh, what aircraft. I think it's a light aircraft is going to be flying over. It could possibly be our local one for the parachutists. Um, flying over uh what are we saying simon are we saying uh, yes, the uh, uh yes Carlos, caravan? yes um it is uh, the cessna caravan um, which uh, flies in and out of uh, beckles um doing the parachute jobs you can most probably hear it in the background he's uh, climbing uh, quite high altitude over the top of us at the moment and um it's um i've seen this aircraft it's a lovely aircraft um to fly if you want to um google about this aircraft it's the um it's called the cessna caravan um which is strangely uh, a funny name for an aircraft but um he does actually uh f- fly around here um most of the time and uh, over your way carlos as well yeah he does his uh, it's not it's all kind of in between us isn't it really Beckles, yes. i suppose yes actual, where they fly from <clears throat> yes he does two or three drops um uh, weather permitting we've got a l- light breeze here today so um it must be okay for him to do a few uh, runs today, but I'd love to be up there today, wouldn't you? <sighs> Definitely, yeah. On a day like this, lovely. Do some parachuting. Yeah, so uh, just uh, enjoy the um, the noises of the, the aircraft. <laughs> we couldn't have timed that better to have a, no. any podcast mm. outside, mm. and we've got an aircraft uh, circling over us, so that's quite interesting. So then, uh, moving on then, yes. leave, leaving the sun to one side, uh, we've got on the Argus website here, the Ar- as in Argus, not Argos. And uh, they're reporting that more than 150 passengers and cabin crew uh, were trapped in an airport corridor. 
Scores of air passengers were trapped in an airport corridor after staff apparently shut up shop before the flight had disembarked. Uh, More than 150 passengers and cabin crew were forced to bang on doors and shout for help for 30 minutes after their arrival at Gatwick Airport was barred by a locked door. Customers said they considered setting off fire alarms to alert staff at their plight, but were worried that they would be arrested. The problems began for the British Airways passengers when their 7pm flight on Wednesday from Glasgow was delayed by three hours by the French air traffic controllers' strike. When the flight landed just before midnight, customers discovered they were trapped. Katie Shaw, principal lecturer in contemporary uh, literature at the University of Brighton, was flying home after a day trip to Glasgow for a PhD exam. She said, we were walking around the security desks and trying to find a phone to ring to let someone know. It was all a big mess up and we were trying to think what to do. Some of us started tweeting Gatwick. I've never seen so many businessmen in suits banging on doors. It was, a, it was strange that they hadn't picked up on us uh, on the security cameras, but I guess it was just a breakdown in communication. After about 30 minutes, somebody came round and let us all out. A Gatwick spokesman said that we were aware of the incident and apologised for the inconvenience to passengers. So, a slight lack of communication there, Simon. Yes. I think between uh, the well, t- between the ground handlers and um, and the and the airport staff yes. in the building. Yes, um, that just makes you wonder uh, where the uh, sort of ground staff and um, security were, because you should really have um, you've got passengers coming off an aircraft. You should really um, have them sort of nearby. Um, for all these people coming off an aircraft. Exactly. you you, you still got to have passport control and, yes. and stuff like yes. that. Yes, so it just it seems strange. Um, if the passport controller waiting uh, for those people and they don't turn up for 30 minutes late, even though the plane has landed, just it's just rather strange, isn't it? At, um, being stuck, uh, I, I, I bet you Gatwick probably opened a duty-free shop up, though, for them. Yes. <laughs> Whilst they were waiting. <laughs> well, for, um, <laughs> for, for a free um, complimentary... Uh, um, Something I don't know. A bottle of scotch, complimentary bottle of scotch. Yeah. So uh, (laughs) a scary uh, situation then for uh, for them because I suppose a a, a nighttime airport with all the doors and stuff shut was probably quite an an eerie place to be. Yes. Yes. So next piece of news then from uh, the breaking travel news. Um, This is for Heathrow passengers at uh, the new Terminal Five, and they're facing the prospect of being separated from their luggage due to technical problems. The airport has posted a statement on its website, apologising to affected passengers and promising to resolve the matter as soon as possible. A statement reveals we are experiencing intermittent issues with the Terminal 5 baggage system, which has caused some bags to be processed manually. While passengers can currently check in bags, our engineers are still working to identify the root cause of the problems. Passengers may wish to carry essential items in hand baggage where possible, and manual processing has led to some bags not making flights in time. We are very sorry for any passengers affected by this issue and we are working with airlines to reunite passengers with bags as quickly as possible. So another uh, another issue of bags then at uh, on the new terminal and at Heathrow, Simon. Yes. This, this um, kind of, we, we knew it had happened, didn't we? There'd be, yes. there'd be teething issues, teething problems. Yes. So uh, tying in with this, um, they've also got uh, problems at uh, Terminal 2, which has all been upgraded, have, hasn't it? Um, did you hear about that? Have we got that on our podcast as well? No, I did read it online, though, they're, they're, they're about the issues they were having with, um, with yes. bags and stuff there. Yes, um, so they've had a little bit of uh, problems there, and people um, sort of lost touch with their bags and everything. So, um, 
But um, they need to iron this out because um, people going on holiday, it just ruins a holiday if they lose your, your bags, doesn't it? Because um, I've lost my bags before and um, had problems. And uh, but luckily, they arrive a few days later on another aircraft and were delivered to our hotel um, up in California. So, But it, it must be fr- so frustrating for passengers because you go mm. away on holiday yeah. to have a nice time, stress-free, and then you lose your uh, luggage or they lose it for you. So... For those of you who watched the um, BBC programme a few weeks ago, uh, on uh, it was on Heathrow Airport. Yes. Remember the uh, programme? Yes, they'd done yeah. a three, three-episode um, yes. programme. They did actually cover the baggage side of things, didn't they? Where yes. they show you where the bags go. And, and it's quite uh, technical now, isn't mm. it? And oh, all, yeah. all the bags are actually scanned and photographed as they uh, go around the carousels and are dropped into the uh, airline um, that they're actually going to. It was amazing to see the amount of miles of um, carousels belts and carousels that the bags actually have to go through before they uh, reach reach the aircraft and that. And the guys down there do do one hell of a job to uh, to get all that stuff you know to the aircraft. Um, but as we can see, there are still some issues, technical yes. issues. Um, but uh, hopefully they'll uh, they'll line those creases out. Yeah, uh, I in haven't time. actually uh, flown out of the Terminal Five yet. Have you? No, no, I haven't. No. So next piece of news, Channel Online TV, Guernsey News, this one. And uh, this is uh, Aero Guinea's first ever jet aircraft uh, to land at Guernsey. Uh, The purchase follows the the loss of seats available on the Guernsey to London Gatwick route due to Flybe's withdrawal. And Aero Guinea was asked by the state of Guernsey to look at how it could ensure the loss of service would not affect businesses in the Bailwick area. The new plane, the Embraer E195, will offer the late, uh, largest ever number of seats to operate on the route. Mark Darby, Aero Guinea's chief executive, said that this is a big step forward for the airline and uh, for the island. And the island community of around 65,000 people to have its own E195, as well as a fleet of ATRs. And it speaks volumes for the importance of Aero Guineas maintaining our business links with London and how far we are prepared to go to protect them. It's a significant investment for us, but it is extremely important for the prosperity of the island that both our business and tourism sectors have sufficient capacity and frequency on this route. The new jet will operate every day from London Gatwick at half past eight in the morning and 10 to 12 uh, just before midday, 4 p.m. in the afternoon and 7.30 in the evening. And it will depart Guernsey at 7am, 10.20am, 2.30pm and 6pm. So that's, uh, that's quite good, Aero Guinea having their first uh, jet. And it's good for uh, Embraer. Obviously, uh, they uh, see the, um, the potential of the aircraft. So it's quite a, a small regional jet, really, the Embraer 195. Yes, uh, ideal for Guernsey. Um, this is one of our um, sort of uh, Channel Island uh, islands. And um, I know uh, what a flyby are like. Um, any... Uh, sort of route that they don't actually make enough money or capital to turn around um, and get a profit, they will actually withdraw aircraft um, flights just like that at the drop of a hat. So, mm. And looking at the picture that they've posted on their site of the aircraft, it's it's having the water salute yes. um, by the uh, aircraft's fire team. And also pictured in front of that um Aircraft. Have you noticed there is the Aero Guinea Trilander? No, which... I'm glad you actually told me uh, um, what that was because I have, although I'm an aircraft uh, enthusiast and uh, I'm more on the military, um, aviation, and airshow side, 
Um, that aircraft is really old, and um, a lot of people don't know that about this aircraft. Um, you're going to tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, it's uh, it's the Britain Norman Trislander. It's uh, it's um, uh, a prop aircraft, and unlike uh, pretty much all other air, uh, prop aircraft of that sort of size, smaller sort of size, sort of Cessna Caravan size, sort yes. of size it has three engines. Um, if you could liken it to a passenger, commercial passenger jet, the Trilander is uh, kind of like a DC-10. Uh, one engine underneath each wing and one mounted on the uh, rudder at the rear of the aircraft. Kind, it kind of looks like a, a, a mini DC-10, but with the, with prop uh, yes. prop engines. Yeah, now, is, don't get me wrong, but is this one of the only aircraft um, that is does actually have this configuration? Because I don't think I've ever seen another aircraft uh, like this have you no no that this is uh this is the one uh the only one that i know of that has this kind of configuration but it is it's quite an interesting aircraft to um to to see really i think the... what we're gonna do um i'll uh speak to carlos we actually put a photo and try and get a photo of one of these up on our uh web page for people to look at because it's quite a unique aircraft isn't it yeah it is yeah i'm just looking uh on uh the uh, Wikipedia site here for the aircraft. And uh, as I said, it's made by Britain Norman, and it first flew in 1970. Wow. Uh, and it's obviously primary user being Aero Guinea. And uh, there's been 72 of these built, and of these aircraft. Uh, there's been uh, five marks of them built, uh, yes. from Mark 1 to Mark 5. And, uh, and as we said, they can carry up to 17 passengers. And I'm just reading here. They're they're powered by three Lycoming air-cooled flat-six piston engines, each producing 260 horsepower each. Um, It can cruise at a maximum speed of 180 miles per hour, which is quite quite, uh, nippy, really. Yes. yes. But they use it on the uh, the the island flights and stuff like that. Yes. So um, I think uh, these are just used for uh, mail because years back, I remember um, Parcel Parcel Force, um, which is the Royal Mail. they used to be called Data Post, and I'm sure they used um, they had their aircraft painted red and uh, did use these for um, mail. So, so perhaps in- we'll pop a uh, a picture for the show notes so people can look at the yes, the uh, like you said earlier, yeah, they'll do that. Okay, so the next piece of news from the Telegraph uh, Belfast Telegraph website. This one um, is regarding something that happened while I was away. Yes, I did send you the photos and, on that. Uh, yep, Simon sent me the pictures of this, and um, it was uh, after the. Um, incidents that have happened quite recently in the uh, past before this uh, this one was just another one another pain in the uh, in the side for Ryanair uh, the headline jets damaged in Stansted collision and uh, two Ryanair aircraft two Ryanair 737-800s have been damaged in a collision at one of the country's busiest airports passengers faced delays of up to three hours after a Warsaw bound plane and an aircraft from Frankfurt uh, that had just landed, collided in the parking area of Stansted Airport at around 6.45am. The crash occurred when the wing tip of one of the aircraft and the tail cone of the other aircraft made contact, Ryanair said. Essex Police said routine breath tests on both pilots returned zero readings and no one was hurt in the incident. Both planes were the Boeing 737-800 models, which can carry up to 189 passengers, a Ryanair spokesman confirmed. One passenger on the Warsaw-bound flight said on Twitter, 
that he heard a huge loud crashing noise and totally felt the crush sitting at the back of the aircraft. Thank God it only hit the wing. Uh, as if it was the body of the plane, it may have been something a lot worse. Ryanair spokesman Robin Keeley said that the, this morning at London Stansted, the wingtip and tail cone of two Ryanair aircraft made contact while one aircraft was taxiing to stand and the other one was commencing pushback from the stand. Customers were disembarked and boarded two replacement aircraft, which departed Stansted with a delay of approximately three hours. Uh, the Stansted Base engineering team are currently investigating and will repair both aircraft and return them to service as soon as possible. Ryanair sincerely apologises to affected aircraft, uh, affected passengers, I should say, for any inconvenience caused. And Stansted spokesperson Chris Wigan said that they can confirm that the two aircraft were involved in a minor collision while on the ground at Stansted. Both aircraft suffered some damage but there was no reported injuries to passenger or crew an Essex spokesman said that the two Ryanair aircraft that struck each other on the ground um, which happened just before 7am on the Saturday and obviously they can, they obviously took the uh, breath tests and done and tested both the pilots which obviously came back negative but uh, no one was injured so uh, a, a good uh, thing there uh, but obviously an expensive yeah, issue very for, ex- uh, for well not just for Ryanair but I'd imagine for uh, ground staff as well I suppose yeah, it could, be. Uh, could have been uh, like we said a lot worse um, you imagine right because the fuel is actually carried in the wings isn't it mm, yeah so um, just sort of uh, thing and the parts that they have it actually took the winglets off the uh, side of uh, one of the aircraft I know but just looking at this um, I don't exactly uh, know how they get on for parts because they uh, have to be uh, flown in. Because you can't really carry that amount of parts uh, over um, or have them in stock. Big parts like that, I wouldn't have thought, would you? No, I think uh, I think the engineers will probably... I mean, that was a wingtip of one aircraft yeah, and a but, tail cone on another. Yes. I mean, they're probably, they are probably fairly easy fixes. I would imagine the aircraft will be off the run for, for a few days at least. Yes. Um, whether they have to fly the parts in from the States yeah, uh, to repair the aircraft from Boeing, I, I, I'm not sure. Perhaps if any of our um, listeners are uh, engineers at all based at Stansted or uh, engineers based at any airport, really, uh, let us know how uh, we get on here in the UK for parts for uh, for damaged aircraft like this. Do we have to get them from the uh, States or do we have to, uh, or do we get them, have we got piles, stockpiles of wingtips here at, in the UK? <laughs> Okay, so the next piece of news, uh, the local uh, news, Norwegian, or Norway's English news, is uh, regarding Norwegian Air and there to launch cheap US flights. So we've covered this before in a previous podcast about um, yes. cheap flights to the US. Uh, Norwegian Airlines are set to sell low-cost flights between London and the US from as little as 1,500 kroner each way uh, from this week. Norwegian Airlines is set to sell the uh, flights uh, between London and the US, and the US, uh, and it'll work at around about two hundred and seventy-five dollars each way. The move follows the companies already offering cheap flights from Oslo uh, and America, and insiders believe it could start a price war between the Scandinavian company and its international rivals. Norwegian launched uh, launched its first service between London Gatwick and Los Angeles uh, last Wednesday and the Gatwick to New York flight the following day, and Florida's Fort Lauderdale on last Friday. The No Frills airline is the third most popular budget flight service behind Ryanair and EasyJet. 
but Norwegian uh, are the first budget airline to offer the low-priced transatlantic flights. Both Ryanair and EasyJet have long hinted they would fly to the US, but never launched any scheme. Norwegian's bold move is expected to cause a price war among established airlines as they, uh, they compete um, to keep passengers. Stuart Wingate, the chief executive of Gatwick, told the Daily Mail that Norwegian's decision to operate high-quality services on the uh, new large aircraft, offering good value affairs from the US to London Gatwick, is a significant industry game-changer. So that's uh, they're, they're using their Dreamliner on the route. Uh, their new, hmm. their new Dreamliner. That's so, a good, um, uh, that's a, a good um, new uh, flight launch aircraft uh, to use, isn't it? Because um, people think you know Dreamliner um, to the US, and that's from Gatwick. So, um, but you think right? If you're you want to go anywhere in the US, you get on this aircraft, yeah, and you could get um, you could get another normal uh, or, or low cost carrier in America to link up with wherever you want to go. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. you'd uh, save a lot of money here. Save a lot of pounds, yeah. But $205 dollars because um, um, the dollar rate at the moment is heading towards 160 if not more. So um, that's pretty good, isn't it? Mm, definitely. I'll um that be handy to uh, to know to, to remember that service for the future yes. for uh, for going to the US. Yes, we do have a lot of the Norwegian uh, aircraft 737-800s and the cargo aircraft fly over our uh, this area anyway um so as soon as the picture come up i knew what, what airline it was and uh, everything um we see these on the flight radar and flight tracker that's it because norwegian uh, have the they have a, a red uh front section uh nose cone of the aircraft and the rest of the body's white but on the tail uh norwegian have some really quite detailed um pictures yes uh of famous uh norwegian um people uh, from Norway, yes, painted on the on the tiles, yes. which look really. I've seen them up close; they are really, really detailed. Yes. So, uh, next piece of news then, as the wind wind is blowing through the trees here, you can probably hear the uh, there's someone drilling somewhere there. Uh, don't they know there's a podcast going on here? Yeah, they're actually cutting uh, and making a, f- a fence um, yeah. and uh, fence posts. So, next piece of news then is on the EDP twenty four website. This is our local newspaper here, the Eastern Daily Press. And uh, this is uh, regarding a historic plane making a visit to our local airport, Norwich. Uh, the vintage Dakota DC-3 that took uh, selected guests on short flights from Norwich International Airport. Uh, Sharon Kelly, customer service agent in wartime attire, waving to the pilot here in the picture we have here. Uh, the aircraft itself painted in the Royal KLM uh, Dutch Airlines uh, paint livery. And the Dakota uh, registration Papa Hotel Papa Bravo Alpha has been touring the UK as part of the Dutch carrier's 95th anniversary celebrations. And the aircraft touched down uh, to uh, Norwich Airport to a water salute, a historic water salute, that's what they all do. And the 70-year-old uh, Air DC-3 Dakota has carried Allied troops in the Second World War and served the Dutch royal family and spent time in a museum in its years. But restored to her former glory by a team of volunteers, she was brought to Norfolk by the airline, KLM, to celebrate the firm's 95th year of commercial flights. There were four flights on Saturday with lucky guests enjoying clear views of East Anglian countryside. Andrew Bell, chief executive of Norwich Airport, was on the first flight of the day. And uh, as he returned to the terminal building, decorated with bunting and um, with the Jonathan Wyatt big band playing, he was overwhelmed. 
if the uh, if that aeroplane had a mouth and it could talk about its life, it would be quite something, he said. You can feel the history of the aircraft. It's really emotive and was a really smooth flight. The aircraft has long-standing links with KLM, and Mr. Bell said the Saturday flights um, on Saturday, or the special flights on Saturday, emphasised this. The fact that uh, they bring the aircraft here and want to show it off in the region is partly because of us and KLM working together, and is an important uh, thing for each other as the two companies working closely together, as he explained. I think the knowledge, the importance of the run over to Amsterdam, which allows us to fly on anywhere else without a bigger airport, uh, is a great plus for Norwich Airport. Warner Rootlape, General Manager of Air France KLM UK and Ireland, said the firm had treated a mixture of people to flights on the DC-3 from workers of KLM's Norwich engineering base and competition winners um, and community figures as well. He said that from a personal perspective, it was an exciting day and that pilots often said that jets make noise and this one makes music. He added the DC-3 is such an iconic aircraft and it has such a good history and it's a historic moment to welcome it to Norwich. The uh, regional bases are incredibly important to KLM and it's a fantastic to be able to showcase our heritage to the local community. KLM has offered flights from Norwich International Airport for decades and it currently runs four daily flights between Norwich and Amsterdam on Fokker 70 aircraft equipped with 70 seats. Long-standing links with the fine city and uh, extend further with KLM Engineering and maintenance based in Norwich. KLM UK's engineering base has been working at the airport for more than 40 years and employs around 375 aircraft, uh, 75 people aircraft, we're saying. (laughs) That would be good, yeah. They're dedicated to the maintenance of the aircraft and some of the most important airlines in the world, including British Airways. And KLM was founded in 1919 and merged with Air France in May 2004. The DC-3, Simon, that's an aircraft I would really love to go on. I've been on it um, numerous times. Yes, I know you have. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I used to actually, uh, this ties in nicely with um, a little um, bit what I'm now going to tell you about. Um, KLM, uh, this Dakota, um, obviously uh, one of the Dakotas that they still use. I've seen it at Duxford. And also, um, when I was uh, younger, uh, they used to have an airline called Air Anglia. And we've talked about this. We have done, yeah. uh, In previous uh, podcasts. And um, before they were using the Fokker F-27, they used to use the uh, Dakota as one of their aircraft, their main aircraft um, from Norwich, uh, Horsham St. Faith, to um, Schiphol, Amsterdam. And um, uh, when my uh, dad um, was working in the oil industry, we often used to all fly, me and my brother and my mum and my dad, we used to often fly over to Amsterdam. Um, So it was such a... An enjoyable aircraft to fly on, and I've actually flown Air Atlantique um, from Coventry to Riyadh um, and back when they used to do um, shuttle flights. So that was another good thing. Uh, but it's a, a lovely aircraft, and they're still used today. Mm. And um, a lot of um, places in America use them for cargo in a lot of the cold countries, um, like the Ice Pilots, which is on um, That's it, yeah. Buffalo. Uh, TV. Buffalo Airways. Yes, and um, but they're really a, a, an old aircraft, and uh, the BBMF has um, has a few of these aircraft as well. Um, but it does show, though, that some of the, those aircraft are built to uh, built to last. Built to last. We, we've just got some of our local uh, uh, paramedics. 
Yes. Just uh, you can probably hear in the background there. I think that's uh, ambulance, that one. There. And this is uh, this is one of the joys of doing an outside <laughs> podcast it in is. the garden. It is, yeah. Because yeah. you're getting all the um, outside everyday noises um, that go on um, while people go about doing their business. So, yeah, excuse us for the um, background noises and everything, but yeah. Um, just to just briefly as well, forgot to mention at the beginning of the show that uh, today is the 4th of July. Yes, Independence Day. Independence Day. And um, it's just coming up to 20 past one yes. as we are recording in the afternoon. Yes, and uh, it's a shame I'm working uh, tonight because um, uh, Aria Feltwell, which is uh, Mildenhall, uh, US base, they do have an Independence Day special today. And the red arrows are on at 6 p.m. Um, if this podcast goes out uh, today, hopefully it will. Which it will do, yeah. I've just got um, a bit of editing to do. <laughs> yeah. So once this goes out, um, if anybody is uh, interested, um, over to uh, RAF Mildenhall, RAF Feltwell, um, which they use the name as well. They've got all sorts of uh, American um, uh, things going on. And it starts about now, I think. And um, But the red arrows sort of are on at 6 p.m. tonight, and there's a firework uh, display and everything to close the uh, show. So that'll uh, be worth, because that's uh, something similar, bringing back to the uh, Mildenhall Air Fate. This is on a lower scale, not so many aircraft, but uh, I know the Americans do uh, do us proud when they do have their sort of um, days, and they organise everything so well. And um, But if you are interested, go out there. Um, and see the Reds, because it's going to be a perfect show tonight. The wind will have dropped by um, sort of early evening, and uh, the conditions will be uh, perfect. The caravan, I think he's on his second uh, drop. Yeah, he's currently flying above us at the moment. Again, this Cessna caravan, probably full of uh, parachutists. Nervously uh, waiting. Nervously <laughs> waiting to jump out of the door, at, jump jump out of a perfectly serviceable aircraft. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, that is uh, that is uh, good to see because well, we did we saw the red arrows, didn't we? Um, yes, and uh, they were fantastic. Weren't yes, they? they're always fantastic to see, and um, this is a special year. Um, we've got some lots to talk about uh, up and coming in the show shortly. So next one, Yahoo News, and uh, there's something we covered as well in the previous podcast, but the uh, story's moved on now. Uh, Virgin Atlantic um, are interested in purchasing the new Airbus A330 Neos, and uh, they may delay the delivery of their Airbus A380 uh, to have these. Virgin Atlantic Airways threw its weight behind a possible revamp uh, of the Airbus A330 jet on Tuesday, saying it would consider replacing an order if the price and economics worked out correctly, but it urged Airbus to make a rapid decision. Airbus is considering whether to upgrade the wide-body jet, having selected Rolls-Royce as the sole engine supplier for the possible upgraded version of the Airbus A330neo, industry sources said. On paper, it looks a fantastic uh, deal offering, and it will come with the, an increase in ownership costs. But as long as this is kept under control, it will be appealing to a good number of airlines, Alan Leakes, the airline's head of strategic fleet planning, told. Asked whether Virgin Atlantic, which already operate the current A330s, would consider placing an order for the upgraded version, he said yes, adding that the revamped A330neo would offer a very significant reduction in fuel consumption. Virgin Atlantic may, however, further delay taking delivery of six A380 Super Jumbos that it has on long has uh, has had uh, a long for a long while on order. He added, um, so that's uh, something uh, to look out for for definite then, because we were looking forward to seeing the 380s with the Virgin um, paint job on, weren't we, Simon? Yes, yes, um, but a Virgin uh, do. Um 
seem to have quite a lot of um, Airbus, don't they? Yeah, um, yeah. Um, got, I've flown on quite a few of their aircraft. The um, Obviously, they've got their sister airlines, uh, which is uh, Virgin America and Virgin Australia. They use the smaller Airbuses, but uh, Virgin Atlantic, the main uh, one hub from Heathrow and Gatwick, they actually um, use the A330 and the A340, and they've got the A340-600. The 600, um, yeah, the uh, uh, really long one. The stretch one, yep. yes. Uh, that is um, one of their sort of main aircraft uh, with the 747 uh, flies on the um, London Heathrow or Gatwick uh, to LAX. So, yeah, that is a lovely aircraft to fly on, and um, I enjoy flying on that. So next piece of news then is from the Reuters site. Uh, this one is regarding another UK airline. Uh, Boeing uh, captures the UK's Monarch after jet contest. Uh, the UK airline Monarch are to order uh, 30 Boeing 737 jets, the sources say. And uh, Airbus uh, wins backing from Virgin Atlantic for the 330 as we've seen, but Monarch are uh, picking this 737s. Boeing is poised to win a $3 billion uh, jet order from the UK carrier Monarch Airlines, ousting its European rival Airbus for a key victory two weeks before the Farnborough Airshow, industry sources said last Tuesday. The expected order for some 30 revamped 737 aircraft follows a contest lasting several months as the Luton-based carrier became the latest hotspot in global in a global battle for market shares between the two popular types of narrow-body jet, being the Airbus and the Boeing. Most industry sources uh, had expected the Airbus to win the contest, which had been watched as a gauge of competition. But emerging less than two weeks before the world's largest aerospace event, it would be seen as a blow to Airbus, which had displaced its US rival Boeing in an earlier fleet overhaul at one of Europe's oldest uh, leisure airlines. But it would also rekindle concerns about a potential price war between the largest playmaker to try and win the advantage on models that have already sold many times more than their designers originally hoped. Both Airbus and Boeing have huge pricing power, which could drive up the aircraft values if uh, it weren't for the ongoing battle for the market share, said Bert Van Leeuwen, a managing director of the company's DVB bank. Boeing said it does not comment on negotiations with customers, but Monarch said a final decision had not been taken yet. Monarch Airlines is is at an advanced stage in evaluating a range of options for re-equipping its fleet, to enhance the economics of the airline and the standards of service it provides to its millions of customers, a spokesman said. A further announcement will be made in due course when this process is complete, he said in an email. And sales of uh, stock prices, sales and stock prices for both companies have soared ever since Airbus and then Boeing decided in 2010 and 11 to upgrade their cash-generating narrow-body models with new engines. For such jets, the Airbus A320neo is due to enter service in 2015 and has won over 2,600 orders. It competes uh, competes with the upgraded Boeing 737 MAX, which as of last week had 2,089 orders. Uh, Boeing Commercial Airplanes Chief Executive Ray Connor urged employees in a recent internal campaign to fight for every sale and pay attention to winning back market share. 
So far this year, Boeing is well ahead on total airplane orders, prompting speculation that Airbus will respond with several hundred new orders at the July 14th and 20th Farnborough Air Show, including its 3,000th order for the A320neo. It's also expected to unveil sales of several dozen A320 jets to China during a visit next week by German Chancellor Angela Merkel, industry sources said. Uh, Boeing is meanwhile seen as uh, very close to finalising an order for 150 large twin-engined 777Xs from Dubai's Emirates Airlines. Speaker at the uh, Ascend Flight Global Aviation Forum in London said that demand for the new fuel-saving aircraft is being driven by high oil prices and low interest rates, but that the demand was also fundamentally supported by economic economic growth economic growth uh, projections. On a positive note for Airbus, Virgin Atlantic threw its weight behind the possible revamp of its A330 order, as we just said, saying that they might buy uh, a load as well uh, from Airbus, uh, but urging, as well as we said, Airbus not to delay in their pricing strategy. So uh, excellent news then for uh, for Boeing then, uh, definitely uh, Monarch, because Monarch have pretty much always been a kind of Airbus airline, really, haven't they, yes, Simon? Yes, uh, they have. Um well, they did um, used to use the uh, Boeing seven five seven aircraft um, uh, on a lot of their flights. But um, Monarch just recently phased out their A three hundred, didn't they? They yes, retired retired their last Airbus A three hundred. Yes, yep. Um, but uh, this this sort of shows a move for Monarch really to to Boeing products. Yes, which so, is yeah, good. It's yeah. good. So next piece of news then uh, from Flight Global. Uh, this one is regarding a Fokker fifty freighter that crashed into a building in Nairobi. Uh, the Fokker 50 freighter crashed into a building in Kenya's capital of Nairobi in the early hours of the 2nd of July, shortly after takeoff. Kenya Airport Authority confirms in a tweet that the aircraft crashed at a commercial building in Atawala after taking off from Nairobi's Jomo Kenyatta Air International Airport. In a second tweet about an hour later, it adds that the four crew on board the aircraft are believed to have died and that an investigation team from the country's Ministry of Transport are on site. It is un- yet unclear which airline uh, was the crashed aircraft, uh, what it was operating under. So we've, uh, that's all the news we have on that particular crash. It's quite a uh, new one uh, of a Fokker 50, but quite an old aircraft as well, though, Simon, the uh, Fokker 50. Yes, um, it's the uh, prop uh, aircraft. Um, that replaced the uh, F-27, um, which uh, KLM have uh, now phased out, uh, phased out, I believe. Do you fancy an ice cream? <laughs> we could do really yeah we have to have a break in a bit and have an ice cream yeah because the ice cream van is out around the corner we'll go, we'll go, yeah. <laughs> so next piece of news then from Flight Global and uh, this is one that Simon picked up on before we uh, start the show today uh, a Qantas A380 had to make uh, a, a mid-air turn back due to water leak uh, the Qantas Airways Airbus A380 had to make an air, an air turn back after an hour after takeoff on the 2nd of July because of a water leak on board. The aircraft registered at Victor Hotel Oscar Quebec Delta was operating flight QF94 on the Los Angeles-Melbourne route when the incident happened. When contacted, Qantas would only say that the issue is uh, being fixed by engineers in Los Angeles and that it's uh, working with Airbus to understand what caused the water leak. There were no uh, safety flight concerns with the water leak. However, the captain decided to return to L.A. in the interest of passenger comfort, adds a spokesman. 
Videos online show water gushing down the A380 stairway, which connects the aircraft's main and upper decks, down the aisles and also dripping from overhead compartments. Flight Global's Ascend Fleet's database shows that the Rolls-Royce Tramp 900-powered aircraft was built in 2008 and owned by QFECA 2008 to P, uh, PTY Limited. So a water leak on the 380. I mean, that's, that's going to be fresh water, I'd imagine. It's got to um, be fresh water. Yes, but l- reading uh, this, I was talking about this earlier to um, um, Lynn and uh, Charlotte Hall. Um, what do you think on this? Because water leaking in the overhead, and you've got all those thousands of metres and miles of cable, um, it can't be good for the um, electrics on board or the smell. They're you, I have... mean, most of the cables are protected. They've all got rubber, yes. rubber around them, and the cable's all protected, yes. but it, it doesn't help to have water, uh, any sort of water, or liquid. Um, um, water damage to an aircraft. Hmm. Now, I don't know how you get on. Obviously, I would have thought the aircraft would have to be um, sort of scrapped, um, unless it's... Because that was quite... Those photos of that gushing down the aisle there, they're re- that's real deep water. Um uh, if, if you go on uh, some of the websites and just uh, Google um, A380 uh, flood LA to uh, Australia, you will actually see some photos. And the water is at least a foot deep. So I'm quite concerned about this. Have this aircraft um, put back into the air after all this uh, water damage. Because if it was dro- um, dripping down from upstairs, it could come through um, all the luggage overhead uh, locker bins. And it's uh, obviously... Uh, the carpets, they've all got to have to be changed. Um, we can't just dry the aircraft out. It'll be out of service for a while. I don't imagine it'll be out of service it, for a while. It, so. would have, it would have to have a complete refurb, and then hopefully there's no contamination in the fuel. But that's quite, quite a serious thing. Um, if it had been a longer, uh, further out um, on the flight and this happened, that would have been quite a serious, um, um, serious event. Well, we'll follow that one. We'll probably we'll try and get some more news for the next show to yes. see if we can find out what exactly happened to yes, the aircraft. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's not that's not good. Not not good at all. No. Probably a burst pipe, or uh, perhaps um, on a, on a jovial note, perhaps they're offering um, a, a pool, an, an onboard pool, <laughs> a swimming pool, yeah, for the be. for the first class passengers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> next piece of news then: uh, Flight Global and uh, Bellavia finalizes a Boeing deal for three 737-800s. The Belarusian flag carrier Belavia has finalized a deal with Boeing to acquire uh, new 737-800 jets. Under the purchase agreement, the airframer will supply the three newly built 800 series jets with combined value of $272 million at list prices. They will complement Belavia's six 737-500s and nine 300 variants. Acquiring the longer-range 737s will enable the carrier to uh, further broaden its reach beyond Europe and uh, the Middle East, says General Manager Anatoly Guzarov. In particular, uh, Belaravia plans to deploy them on uh, new scheduled routes from Minsk to Tenerife and Dubai. Boeing is also considering opening a facility at Minsk to provide uh, Minsk to provide technical support for Belavia's growing fleet of 737 twin jets. Uh, Belavia's Gusarov said the two sides have discussed the matter with local governments and agreed to j- prepare a joint proposal for the project. So, uh, 300 series 737 Simon, blimey, they're old. They are definitely an old jet. Yes. They are. Mind you, the 500s are fairly old yes. now. They're knocking on a yes. bit now. I oh, yeah, must admit, I do like the uh, 800 version. It seems quite a popular model. I know it's oh, a very, current, very current popular. version. Yeah, that you is. You don't hear yeah. much about the 900 version, do you? 
No, that's the, the latest 900 version is even more stretched than the uh, than the 800. Um, but I think a, a lot of the US carriers use 900 versions. Yes, yeah. Um, whereas obviously our our biggest one in the UK here is uh, is Ryanair. Yes, yeah. Um, he's he uses all those all those particular jets. Yes. So uh, the uh, that is all then uh, um, we but- have uh, for the news for this week. Yeah, I do have one other bit of news. Um, just regarding one of my friends now. The um, can you remember the uh, air traffic control strike um, that was going on uh, last week? Um, a friend was uh, going to Benidorm uh, from London Gatwick, and he was flying on EasyJet. And um, he got there uh, during uh, last week, and uh, he actually uh, an hour before they were due to take off, uh, they were told the flight was cancelled. Um, and EasyJet wanted to charge them to fly out a few days later. So they did kick up a bit of a fuss on this, and then they then transferred to uh, Southend Airport and got away two days later, um, having uh, made sure that EasyJet um, paid them compensation for the delays on the flights, um, reimbursed them the full money for a new flight, which they were going to charge them, and... um, so we got away two days later and still had the same amount of holiday, about five or six days in Benidorm, and uh, they came back a few days ago. So um, a lot of flight. You were hoping your flight was going to be cancelled and you're going to be stranded in Malta for an, a few more weeks. Oh, I'll tell you what, Simon, I was, I was praying that the French were going to strike um, last Sunday um, before we flew home. Yes. Um, but uh, just as an actual note on running, following on from that, Simon, something I was going to mention as well. Uh, something which um, I've seen happen before uh, uh, on a small scale, but not such a large scale. On the return journey home on Sunday, yeah. um, our flight was in the morning, half past seven, and uh, a lot of passengers, the flight was full, all bar two seats, and a lot of the passengers had carry-on luggage, uh, the suitcase yeah. size, the regulation suitcase size, because obviously Ryanair checked the size yeah. and weight, and... Uh, Nearly everyone had the uh, little yellow tags put on their cases, their hand luggage cases, and they had to all go in the hold. Uh, apparently, on the previous day, on the Saturday, uh, on the 28th, uh, the flight from uh, Luca Malta to Stansted was delayed by 25 minutes due to uh, there not being enough space in the overhead luggage bins for all the hand luggage cases all the passengers had. So to remedy that, they uh, went round all of us, including me and my wife. And uh, we had to have our little yellow labels put on our suitcases, mini suitcases, and they had to go in the hold as hold luggage. Obviously free of charge, because I would not have paid, because I've already paid the extortionate fee for, for luggage anyway in the hold. But uh, it upset a lot of people. There are a lot of people getting rather um Yeah, I, I, I can annoyed. imagine. But um, an aircraft uh, does have enough um, space for one piece of hand luggage per person. Well, Ryanair's uh, little stand, which you use to put your case in to find how big it is, uh, actually has a a label on it that says that they guarantee the first 90 bags uh, took on the plane to to be in overhead bins. Yes. They guarantee that. Anything after that, in the hold. Yep. Um, So, fair warning to anyone travelling with Ryanair... Uh, on a particularly busy flight, which this one is, um, to to Luca to Malta, um, 
yeah, just uh, be pre-warned. Don't put anything uh, hugely breakable or something you need uh, in your suit, in your hand luggage suitcase yeah. in case they do put it uh, in the hold underneath. Because once it's down there, you won't be getting it back until you land. Yes. I uh, know um, when I fly to America on the uh, Horizon Alaska Airlines um, on their Dash Q8400s and uh, the 737s, um, and uh, even with United, the, uh, you do have a little a la carte um, trolley um, outside the aircraft as you board. So if you're carrying any excess ones, you can put on the um, cart and they will put them into the baggage hold uh, for you, uh, ticket them up. So they normally check around before they actually uh, uh, in the terminal as you're getting ready to board. So that's pretty uh, a good idea. So, um, yeah. The wind's picking up a bit, I think, Simon. It's yeah. getting rather windy. Yes, it is. Oh, blimey. <laughs> definitely. Prepare definitely, for takeoff. <laughs> definitely rather windy here. We need uh, need some wind protection on these microphones, I think. Yeah, uh, prepare for takeoff. That's it. So we're going to leave uh, leave the news in. That's it for this week's weekly news. And uh, we're going to come back to you after, the, uh, after this break uh, with all the uh, military aviation and uh, the air show news as well from Simon. So we're going to come back after this. Don't forget, you too can contact the show and leave your messages for Simon and Carlos. Contact them via their website at www.plaintalkinguk.com or email them at plaintalkinguk at hotmail.com. Send them your messages. They really want to hear from you. long been the domain of the newspapers and magazines. Well, not anymore. I'm Steve Fisher. And I'm Grant McCarran, and we're bringing aviation right into your radio. Yes, we're making aviation cool and interesting for everyone. Hang on, aviation's always been cool. Check this out. How cool is this? Grant, Grant, turn that down. Here at Plane Crazy Down Under, we've got pilots, engineers, air traffic controllers, industry leaders, even politicians dropping by to talk to us about the amazing world of aviation right here in Australia and occasionally in New Zealand as well. Wow, that's cooler than I thought, mate. Find us at planecrazydownunder.com, on iTunes, or lurking about on other people's podcasts just like this one. We've got crazy accents and lots of great aviation content. And we promise not to talk about the cricket. No, never. Not the cricket. Quack, 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 quack. <laughs> what is cricket anyhow? Something we win a lot. Oh, there oh. <laughs> oh, I love those guys from Australia. Stephen Grant, they're absolutely fantastic. Uh, right, so uh, we've got uh, Simon coming up now then with his military aviation and uh, air show news. So if you're ready, Simon, you're back in the hot seat. Yes. Right, right let's, let's go. go. Let's go. So with his military aviation and air show news, I'm going to hand you over to Simon. Thanks very much, Carlos. Um, Yeah, the first bit of uh, news is uh, regarding the Dutch uh, Air Force uh, F-16s fly past, uh, fly last mission in Afghanistan. On the 30th of June, the last two Royal Netherlands Air Force Lockheed Martin F-16 AMs completed their final mission for the Air Force task, Air Task over Afghanistan. For the past 12 years, the service has maintained a detachment of F-16Ss to support the NATO-led 
International Security Assistance Force mission in the country since starting operations in October 2002. The Dutch aircraft amassed over 24,000 flight hours on more than 10,000 missions, mainly flown in support of coalition ground forces. So that's um, quite an uh, interesting uh, thing that they've uh, now finished their deployment over there. Yeah, it's good to see the F-16s are still uh, still well in use, aren't they? Still yes. a, a very popular aircraft. Yes, and with, uh, uh, hopefully we'll be seeing uh, quite a few of those um, flying uh, at Riyadh this weekend. Definitely, definitely. Um, so, next piece? Uh, the next piece of news is uh, Boeing uh, completes its Canadian Chinook uh, deliveries. Um, Boeing has delivered its 15th and final CH-47F Chinook transport helicopter to the Royal Canadian Air Force. The... This was a complex aircraft program, yet the partnership and collaboration between Boeing and the Canadian customer and industry partners enabled us to deliver all 15 aircraft on or ahead of schedule, says Steve Parker, Boeing Vice President, Cargo Helicopters and H-47 Program Manager. The last delivery was marked during a 30th of June ceremony held at Manufacturers Ridley Township in Philadelphia. Locally designated the CH-147S F. Sorry, the Canadian fleet was ordered in 2009, with deliveries having commenced in June 2013. The final aircraft will enter service with the Air Force's 450 Tactical Helicopter Squadron at the Canadian Air Force Base, Petawawa, in Ontario, says Boeing. The company is also responsible for delivering a 20-year program in-service support for the nation's fleet. So um, we love this aircraft. Um, the Chinook is a is a f- amazing air, yes, amazing aircraft. Yes, and uh, it's normally on the air show circuit quite a lot in the last few years. Well, uh, having said that, touch wood, we haven't seen much of it uh, this season, but hope, hopefully we should be seeing some of it at uh, uh, Riyadh and Farnborough. So um, it's always good, and you know when it's coming because you can hear that <laughs> thumping uh, noise of the rotor blades. Um, just just on an off shot from Matt, you say about the thumping noise, Simon. I was just uh, saying to Simon uh, before we before we start the show, had a real treat in Malta last week. Yes. Uh, one day uh, in the car, travelling from one side of the island to the other, and uh, my wife actually looked up in the sky and said, uh, "What's that?" Uh, obviously, she always looks at me to um, to answer questions about what's in the sky. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, there was a super stallion flying uh, across quite low with the refueling probe at the front. And behind that, uh, bringing up the rear, was a uh, V-22 Osprey uh, flying behind uh, as well. So uh, quite what they were doing in Malta, I don't know. Uh, We'll try and find that out. But uh, still, it was awesome to see them there. (laughs) Yes. I did actually, um, because we are close to Mildenhall here, we do actually um, see the uh, Osprey's flip flittering about here quite a lot um so this aircraft is um actually um quite uh, seen quite a lot around here and uh, it's quite an enjoyable aircraft to uh, uh sort of um see and everything uh so yeah i do uh, love this aircraft and i saw it a few days ago um he was quite hot and i th- thought to my, i said to my girls what on earth is that and um it couldn't uh, work out what it was and then i looked up in the sky and he was quite high and he was just he- heading out uh, just north of um the garden here uh, out over the north sea but he was high and and the thing about it is with those ospreys they look like scorpions in the air when they're flying <laughs> yeah. it's, it's quite yeah, they do they actually yeah they do look a bit like that don't they yeah. yes uh, and so, the, the noise from them is, is amazing as yeah, well so i'm hopefully uh, we're going to see some um uh, ospreys uh, 
Farnborough and Yes, we Riyadh. should hopefully see the Ospreys at Farnborough. We've just, uh, we just been joined uh, by one of Simon's uh, daughters. Yeah, she's happy. She's, she's happy. She's in the sun. Yes. And enjoying the weather. Yes. She's just uh, had a little snooze, so she's just <laughs> up. She's got, a, she's got some kettle crisps, so she's oh, happy she's, now. She's happy, yeah. Yeah, so the next piece of news, um, new engines to transform Brazilian Lynx helicopters. Augusta Westland has won a contract with more than that. Um, 160 million to conduct a mid-life change upgrade on the eight Lynx 21A ship-based helicopters operated by the Brazilian Navy to um, to be performed by at the company's Yeovil site in the UK between 20 mid 2015 and 2019. The work will include replacing the aircraft's current Rolls-Royce Gem engines with a more powerful LH Tech uh, CTS 800 4NS engine. These are used Augusta Westland's new generation AW159 Wildcat and also previously being integrated with the Lynx um, aircraft as before. So, um, yeah, uh, so that'll be uh, quite interesting uh, to have these all upgraded and uh, and uh, everything be sorted out for these um, to carry their uh, life and uh, service away. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because they're, in, they're going to install the new avionics with the night vision. Uh, yes. goggles yeah uh compatible That's... with the cockpit displays and the, sat- the satellite navigation based uh, navigation equipment so it'll be interesting to see um how that all works you know works for them yes on the, uh, on the actual yeah. aircraft itself yeah, yeah. so they had uh, just reading uh, the brazilian navy had um the lynx helicopters delivered in 1978 uh, and seven of them are Mark 21As, which were introduced between 96 and 97. So fairly old aircraft, but again, a, a reliable one. Yes. Uh, obviously the British Navy uh, yes. used them. And uh, Yeovil uh, site in um, Somerset is uh, one of the main areas for the aircraft um, based in the UK and stuff. So it's uh, quite interesting uh, that they are getting this contract to sort these uh, aircraft and upgrade them out. So the next piece of news is a uh, is a good bit of news that uh, I picked up before uh, before we start today. Uh, this one's a good one for uh, Max Flight and David Vanderhoff as they do the um, they do the the uh, I'll try to think of the name of the podcast now. My mind's gone a blank. Um, they they do the podcast regarding the drones and uh, the uh, unmanned UAVs or the UAV Digest podcast. Oh, just been having the microphone stand kicked by a cat here at the moment. Um, yeah, they do the UAV Digest podcast. So uh, this story is regarding, Simon, the... Hello. Hello. The <laughs> Reaper. The Reaper. <laughs> the Reaper. A secret there because you're not supposed to know. <laughs> uh, the secret aircraft, um, uh, Reaper. The US, uh, the UAS uh, were delivered in February 2014 and 10 Reapers are now being operated from Kandahar Airfield to support NATO-led International Security Assistance Force in Afghanistan. The British Army also flies least a bit uh, system harms uh, 450 UA. S from Camp Bastion. So um, this uh, aircraft, um, as we can see in the photo here, this one's actually got um, some uh, missiles on it. And uh, this is the way to go. We've got the uh, prop on the rear of the aircraft and um, uh, do uh, making support loads of stuff here. Um, and obviously there's no uh, body on board. It's flown from a control room. Um, so these aircraft can do loads of surveillance and uh, taking pictures and uh, and actually uh, take out sort of uh, 
enemy uh, lines um, as and when uh, needed. So this aircraft um, is just going to help uh, maintain that security uh, for the US forces and the, re- the UK It does look like it's quite an awesome looking UAV, really. Yes, the they Reba. all look quite similar, don't they? It looks a um, similar style to the Global Hawk um, on a smaller scale. Um, but looking at how impressive uh, and these have come on in the last 10 years, um, these aircraft, you've got all the the, uh, the actual camera and infrared um, stuff and then all the radar and uh, technical stuff inside the um, actual fuselage here. When uh, This one is a prop. Now, a lot of them uh, engined, uh, jet, normally have jets on the long range one. The Global Hawk's an extra long range aircraft, but this one does shorter missions. Um, but it's still a, still a nice aircraft um, to actually uh, use for everything. <laughs> the wind's blowing. The wind's starting to pick up really well now. Yes, uh, yes, it is. As you can probably hear in the microphones, uh, we'll try. We'll carry on as best we can. You'll just have to uh, to uh, put up with the windy noise. Now, see any trouble in the UK? We we get a lovely day's weather with sun, but you always get that wind. Yeah, because we're, we're right on the um, east uh, coast here, and we do get the, a lot of northeasterlies. But having said that, I think this is coming up from uh, the south today. So, yeah, um, so. It is uh, rather windy, but um, we'll press on regardless. So, what, uh, any other news you've got at all for us, then, regarding? Yes. Uh, I don't know. Military... What, I don't know where to start. Really, um, I suppose a better start. We've talked about RAF Feltwell, which is this evening, uh, Independence Day, at um, RAF Mildenhall, and the Reds on at six. And there's loads of other things going on throughout the day. Um, let's go with the Vulcan. Um, now, the Vulcan's possibly on its going to retire. <laughs> no, she doesn't want the Vulcan to retire. <laughs> no. You see, Simon's Simon's youngest here. She does not want the uh, the Vulcan to retire. No, and um, she's confidently saying no. It's um, going to be next year um, because they cannot get no more engines for this aircraft. Um, the engines that they have, that is it. Um, once they're gone, they're gone. They cannot get no more Vulcan engines. Um, the cost um, having these built is uh, horrendous, and um, I don't think there's any more available. So this year and possibly sometime next year um, are going to be the last two uh, display seasons. Um, next year hasn't been confirmed, but I think they've got a campaign on to 2015 to keep this flying. But having said that, um, funds are tight, and um, it'll be such a shame uh, if this aircraft... Uh, uh, does retire and we know it hasn't got that uh, long a lifespan anyway and that they had um, a major task of getting this back into the air xh558 so it's um it will be sad when once it's retired and it will be based at robin hood airport in um doncaster but the thing of it is um you've just got to enjoy it this year and next year if you do see it just take loads of photos and just enjoy the sound and the roar um, because it was actually flying uh, a few days ago um, over East Anglia and that was in formation uh, with the Blades display team which used the uh, extra 300XS and uh, a load of Spitfires and uh, that is um, available on YouTube uh, to see and uh, that's popped up on Facebook a few times and that was quite a an interesting formation. We, ha- we have actually, we, we got an, uh, along with his segment, his week, the usual weekly segment from Pip, uh, Pip did email us, Yes, he sent us an email uh, about the Vulcan and uh, 
Pip uh, was uh, quite uh, upset that the Vulcan's not uh, showing at Riyadh this yes, year. Yes, yes. And uh, Pip thinks uh, the whole thing stinks of egos and politics. Uh, yes. what, what do you think uh, you know, the, yes. the reason, Simon? I honestly don't know because Riyadh have actually... They couldn't find a slot. Apparently they couldn't find a slot to fit uh, the flying schedule in for the Vulcan. I find that a bit hard to believe, and that is just an excuse they've used. And um, we're going to have a lot of disappointed people here um, this coming uh, weekend. I think there's a lot of people who who genuinely did buy tickets to Riyadh because of the Vulcan. Yes, I think there's a, probably a lot of listeners who probably bought the tickets to Riyadh. Uh, not you know so much us. I mean, we do it for the love of anything, really. Yes, uh, but there are a lot of people who do love the Vulcan, and uh, they're going to be very disappointed that the Vulcan's not at Riyadh yes. this year. No, this is going to be building momentum. Um, as uh, I've uh, talked to you about this, Carlos, just uh, in the last few hours, um, we've actually got a space now um, because the F-35s are grounded. Um, and that is official. Um, that's on Facebook. That's on Twitter. And uh, from their website. Um, so it looks as though there'll be no F-35s uh, at Riyadh or Farnborough. So that means there will be a space. And um, regarding uh, the publicity surrounding this and the Vulcan not being at Riyadh, I'm just wondering, through all the tweets and uh, messages that are going up on Facebook, if there is... Uh, it is possible, and uh, we'd like all our listeners to um, try and, um, through media, it's sometimes possible to uh, get things done and um, get yourself heard. So we've got they've got a space now. Those F-35s, we're going to have a display, weren't they? They were supposed to have a display, yeah. I'm just, I'm just on the, uh, the React, on the Royal International Air Tattoos uh, site <coughs> to see if there is any, um, any news at all on whether the F-35s are going to be there. No. But um, uh, I can't see anything to say there won't, whether it's uh, on a different part yes, of their site. No, but they're definitely uh, not flying. So that, um, if, as I said, get on the media sites, Twitter, Facebook, um, email, everything, and let's get this um, let's rolling. So uh, the F-35s no longer be at uh, Riyadh. Um, so let's fill that space with the Vulcan, and let's get it on the media sites and really get this going um, to get this. We've got... We've got just over, or I say just just over, just under a week. Um, I know a short notice, but we can, um, I think, uh, through media and everything else, we can possibly get the Vulcan back to uh, Riyadh for 2014, which would be superb. Yeah, it'd be nice to see that aircraft again. I've seen it one. I've seen it at, at uh, Farnborough two years ago. At yes, Farnborough 2012. Yeah, I've, I've seen it. Um, seen it this year, and I've seen it um, last season uh, numerous times. But I will enjoy uh, seeing it, and let's hope that we can get that back at. Uh, react um sometime uh, in the next uh, in the coming uh, days um because as i said the uh, f-35s won't uh, be uh, flying uh, due to um, being grounded also um actually i've got just got a news story simon on the breaking defense site um Oh, here we go. Uh, so apparently, according to the break and defence site, the F thirty five B will will be um, at Riyadh, but um, it will fly. Um, it will fly and hover, but it will not land vertically at Riyadh. 
Right. Okay. So that's that, that's, uh, that's, that's a just... piece of uh, breaking news um, because um, a few hours ago I was looking on the media sites and it did say that they were grounded. So we'll keep you um, posted on this, and um, we will post it on our Facebook uh, and Twitter pages. If yeah, we do get any further information on this. It does say, it says the F-35B will not perform a vertical landing at this July's Riyadh. Yes. That just, um, that just um, I know through uh, one or two of my friends, Phil Whaley, um, he's a professional photographer. And it's just such a shame that they got rid of those uh, Harriers before these F-35s have even had a chance mm. to um, go into service. Which is such a shame because those um, Harriers had loads of life in them. And we could have still been using them while they get this other um, technical fault sorted out. Um, so that is such a shame on that. So, um, yeah, we've got lots of uh, air, show, air show news um, and it's uh, really exciting. Also um, at Riyadh, the Reds um, are doing a special formation fly past. Um, they're doing that. Um, uh, Jim Turner's going to be uh, having the formation. We're going to have the complete formation of the Red Arrows. And they are going to be flying with um, other display teams in formation. But they're going to have to take one aircraft from each um, of these display teams. Now, I think the Freeze Tricolori are included. Um, so there'll be one of their aircraft in formation with the Red Arrows. There will be the Patrouille de France will have one of theirs um, in formation with the Red Arrows. And there's two or three other um, uh, air display teams on, I think... Um, it's a patrol de Swiss, um, possibly them and one other. So uh, that should be uh, interesting to see that area. And let's just hope, fingers crossed, we've got some good weather because we've got RAF Waddington, which starts tomorrow as well, air show in Lincolnshire. Simon's just trying to frantically stop the wind <laughs> from blowing the microphone away. Yeah, so, yes, as I said, we've got the RAF Waddington uh, display, which is this weekend, but the we- the wind is picking up now, and uh, there is a, a weather warning out for severe heavy rain this weekend, uh, which will affect that. Um, and I will keep uh, you posted on that on our... That's okay, that's just Skype. <laughs> yeah. That's the a, that's a trouble with the UK. I was saying to one of my friends at work the other day, we seem to have... When you're at work uh, during the week, you have a whole week of hot sun, and then as soon as uh, the weekend, soon as the weather detects that here comes Saturday and Sunday, yes, um, I'm going to rain. Or there's an air show approaching. Let's rain on them, shall we? Or flood them out? We don't like that because no, we don't. We don't. Um, I've been to air shows where it's been cancelled or flooded. Um, I've been to Riyadh before and Waddington and been bogged down and even Duxford. Um, so it's not a nice. Um, Nice thing to go to an air show and then have a low cloud base, heavy rain, uh, overcast, and um, a di- very disappointed um, sort of people uh, wa- want to see aircraft that can't fly due to the weather and uh, the storms. So um, fingers crossed that this weather can quickly um, change course and uh, make RF Waddington in Lincolnshire a great uh, air show. And if you go on their website, uh, I don't have the details with me, but if you go on their website... Um, you will actually um, see that uh, the aircraft that are flying, because it's the aircraft that are based out there. You've got the uh, Sentinel, uh, you've got the AWACS, um, which is good, and you've got, also got the um, what's that new one we had? Um, the, the old seven, the the Boeing seven oh seven. Oh, the the E three Century. No, you, you know the, the one KC one three KC one three five. No, not that one. Um, what's 
the one with the big huge um radar boom on the front um on the front or on the, uh, on the front on the top of the uh, fuselage? We have talked about it in a previous podcast. I can't remember what it's called now. Um, it, um, it's, um, <laughs> this is where we need our listeners on, the, uh, on Skype, don't we, to tell yeah, us. Yes, um, yeah, it's one of their uh, radar aircraft. And uh, I know the actual Americans do have this aircraft already. Um, I've got, my mind's gone completely blank because we've got so much uh, information about air shows and, and stuff. Um, yeah, but it's an the old Boeing 707 aircraft. Um, and the name begins with R. Rivet. That is it. Rivet. Ah, the Rivet. That's it. That, yes. That's it. They're going to be based... Uh, they are based out of there. Um, so, uh, yeah, the uh, Rivet aircraft. Uh, hopefully, uh, you'll be able to see that one of them flying. And I hope to see that at Ria and Farnborough. So, uh, that will be uh, good. And um, if you want to keep up to date uh, with um, the air shows, you can do this en route. Uh, as you get... Uh, near the air show you can listen to air show fm which i will give a mention um because they are on facebook and twitter and they broadcast live playing music and giving you up-to-date travel information on the um everything and uh because they control um their radio station which is only for the current i think it's about two weeks at last they do that um via their um control tower um keep you up to date with any aircraft cancellations or flyings or extras um or <coughs> and talk about and they normally play the ymca or they play it quite a lot and i always enjoy it when i fly up there so they are air show um they're called air show fm and if you have the rds uh radio or DAB, it does come up on your radio as Airshow FM, and I think uh, it's normally the frequency is around 87.3 or 87.9, which is at the start of the uh, frequency uh, table. So um, that is um, good, and because they will, like I said, they give you travel updates. Um, we uh, they give you uh, travel updates on. Uh, what's uh, going on as you approach the show and uh that's a, that's a good thing to have i guess actually it's really good yeah having that sort of uh, ability to find out what's going on before you get there yes yeah so that'll be good um so we've got that and uh we've also uh they do uh, react as well do that uh react uh, air show uh, fm um as you approach their show as well so that should uh, be good so i'm just uh trying to think the uh, <laughs> just so much information um uh, you fi- need to find out any other information uh, regarding when the reds are on or any of the other air show aircraft just go onto the website and uh Riyadh's website also uh you need to uh, go onto theirs they've got some uh debut aircraft from the u.s um one of those i sent uh carlos um, but obviously I'm not going to talk too much because there's just so much going on and we will have a lot of information for the coming uh, up and coming podcast and hopefully we're going to get some more interviews interviews yeah, in, the com- in the coming weeks. Um, on we hope, board. You, hope you've enjoyed them because we've enjoyed doing them, haven't we, Simon? Yes, we the, have. Uh, um, the, um, the guys that we have interviewed so far, uh, we just thank you uh, very much for your time. Um, I know you're busy, guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, it's always nice to uh, have a chat and uh, give us... Give us and our listeners a bit more information about what you do in the air show season, the air show circuit, and what aircraft you're actually flying, and um, and everything, uh, and uh, and then what you've got sort of on display as we do the interview. So 
Um, it's always uh, good. Um, we'll just give you some information uh, this weekend of what the Red Arrows are actually doing. Um, obviously, they're at RAF Feltwell at 6pm tonight. They're at RAF Waddington tomorrow. Um, check on their website and Twitter and Facebook for time timings, exact timings. Um, they're at the British Formula One Grand Prix as well. Um, that is on the Sunday. Um, so they'll be going away to do that. Um, I think they're going to be based out of um, Waddington on uh, this weekend anyway. So you've got they're going to be at Waddington tomorrow. Uh, Sunday, they're doing the British Formula One Grand Prix at Silverstone. And then, obviously, uh, REF Waddington Sunday as well. So that is uh, quite a, uh, a tight little thing. That's not too far away from them uh, as, uh, as, the, uh, as the crow flies, should I say. Um, so REF Waddington down to the Grand Prix on the Sunday. So it's quite a busy weekend for the Reds and uh, all the other aircraft. So keep your eyes open around the UK this weekend especially over a uh, uh, Lincolnshire area uh, for all the aircraft that are flittering and flying about and also in the surrounding areas because you uh, may get a glimpse of some um, aircraft formations or aircraft that are flying about so it's worth it what are you laughing at mr carlos because um we've got a, a special treat for our listeners uh Coming up in a second. Yes. But I'm going to keep that quiet. Oh, yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's no good now, is it? No, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say anything. I've, I've got a special... I've Actually, I'll tell you now, we've, we've got a special guest lined up. Yes. Who's just come on via Skype. Who all our listeners will know exactly who it is straight away as soon as he comes online. But uh, we'll... Leave Simon to uh, finish yes, his Yes, I'm uh, just uh, rounding up on a, a few things. Um, so the uh, air show uh, season is well and truly here. Um, it's just uh, the weather situation is um, always sort of a worry. Thirsty, Simon? That's thirsty work podcasting, isn't it? It is, it is, yes. Um, when I was at the Royal Norfolk show uh, a few weeks ago, or the end of uh, last week in June, um, I did actually speak to the, um, I don't know whether you read about this, speaking to the RAF Falcons, and uh, one of their um, team members actually crashed into a burger van um, on landing. The wi- a gust of wind caught him, and he smashed... That's unfortunate. Yes, he smashed into the uh, burger van. It is, it is on uh, YouTube, if you want to see it, but it's quite um, shocking to watch. Um, and he actually took out um, uh, an old 80-year-old pensioner as well. Um, but they have both recovered. But he is actually... Uh, he will be jumping again. Um, but I was speaking to the guys, um, and it's just unfortunate. These things do happen. Um, but it's so, uh, it was so uh, sort of uh, sad to see this happen. And um, I wish him a full recovery and the other person who he hit. But it was, you could hear the gasps as he uh, came in the gush, gush of gust of wind just uh, whipped him off and uh, smashed him into this and it was quite a severe thud when he hit this it was just meters off the ground and it's, the wind just took him away so um, it's such a shame uh, so uh, yeah full recovery on that and um, yeah and the other thing I'm talking about is um, we're going to be clashing uh, next week did you know that Duxford clashes with Riat this, All right, this, yeah. this happens quite a lot um, this is just the um, normal Spitfire and uh, uh, sort of anniversary flights for uh, Duxford, and theirs is on the same weekend as Riyadh. So I think in them situations, Simon, you've got to sort of weigh up 
where where you where you've been before yes. or where you want to go yes and and kind of thing like that yeah, i love duxford and you love it as well because yeah. i've oh, taken yeah, you definitely there. definitely um but the thing of it is um i've i've been in this situation before and um normally i'm always going to react what haven't said that one time i did go to duxford and stay instead but i'll normally uh react as um uh i would go uh, there in sort of stead now as we speak you can hear it, can't you? I'm going to go on my flight radar to see what aircraft this is. You're okay with that? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Can, I'm can fine. Ha- well, come on. Have a guess what it is because I haven't got it up yet. Now, what aircraft do you think this is? Now, that sounds like a big um, aircraft that's flying over us. Bear with us, uh, folks. We've just got some um, aircraft that are, are flying over. Now, this oh, yeah. Yeah, I've got it. I've got it on the Plane Finder, which is another awesome app, along yes. with Flight Radar Twenty Four. Yes, um, um, I think. Ah, <laughs> I, I can see what it is. I I think it's got, got to be um, a triple seven or something uh, like that. And I haven't looked at it. I've seen. The, <laughs> come on, you've got to tell me. It's just gone right over the top of us. It? What yeah. A, um, it's actually a daily service that's just flown over that comes over quite a bit. Actually, it's. Uh, it's the week or daily service from Heathrow to uh, Tokyo's Narita International Airport, and it's a BA triple seven three hundred ER, and that's just gone over the top of us at thirty one thousand feet, travelling at exactly. five hundred and nineteen miles an hour. Exactly. It's got, got uh, so we're still on his climb, being closely followed by a seven six seven three hundred um, oh, yeah, going to Stockholm. Yeah, you've got that so one. There. You've got that, and then there's another one uh, behind him. Yeah, which... there is. There's another BA flight behind them coming up over uh, an A320 on its way from uh, Heathrow to Stockholm, Alanda. That's at twenty three thousand feet. Um, it's one. It's, it's such an awesome app. Uh, both the app, Plane Finder and Flight Radar Twenty Four. If you've got Android or um, or iPhones, they work on those, and uh, they're a brilliant app if you're in, enthusiastic as we are about aircraft. Yes, and also uh, looking at this, uh, the KLM City Hopper um, is now going to take off from uh, Norwich. He's just taken off actually, and he's um, he's uh, got a twenty eight minute flight uh, over to Amsterdam Schiphol. He's now on his turnaround. Um, he has taken off uh, from Norwich Airport on. Uh, two seven left and heading out, and he's now on his loop round back. There's also a North Sea uh, gas platform helicopter which is out in the. They're going to land on the gas things there, but it's quite busy. You go for, uh, through phases on this where you get no aircraft flying, and all of a sudden you'll get quite a lot of um, aircraft that are flying about. That's it. Yeah, you do, especially even in the evening. It late at night. There's still loads of aircraft yeah. in the sky. Yeah, the skies are a bit sort of uh, quieter at the moment, but um, yeah, so they're. Um, it's sort of uh, calmed right down a bit now. So, yeah, the as I was saying uh, before, we were interrupted by that aircraft. The Duxford and um, Riat sort of do um, clash and everything, but um, at the end of the day, that's uh, one of them things. So, I'm just listening because I can hear the other aircraft coming yeah, now. Yeah, there he is. There he is. Yeah, another BA. Yes, you can. You may just you- be able to pick that up. He's right over the top of us now. If I just turn the microphones up, Simon. Here we go. Yep. And that's a uh, oh, that's a BA seven six seven. That yeah, one that is a seven six seven three hundred. Yeah, the old uh, older aircraft. Extra that range. That is. Uh, that's, that's the pre triple seven aircraft. Yes, one. yes. And he's at currently at thirty four thousand one hundred and fifty feet. He's still on the climb out at four hundred and seventy eight knots. Um, uh, so he's. Um, his uh, heading away there to Stockholm. 
that's a uh, quite a big aircraft to go uh, from uh, London to Stockholm on, isn't it? Because that's normally used mm. on uh, sort of long long haul flights. Plenty of businessmen on that flight, I think, Simon. Yes. Yeah. So we've got quite a lot of BA uh, aircraft over here at the. Um, and police, I think, as well, the sounds of that. <laughs> yes, yeah, and ambulance and paramedics. So we've got um, we've got pilot pip segment um, to to run. This, uh, is, this is going to be so good because yeah. I've really enjoyed being out here today. It's just been a little bit different. We've had we, all... we've got something different happening everywhere. <laughs> yes. <it's... laughs> but first, we are going to do uh, pilot pip segment. So if uh, if all our listeners are ready, here is pilot pip's weekly segment. And now it's time to visit the cockpit. And join the man who puts the S in safe. It's the plane safety from the flight deck segment with Captain Pip. Hi everyone, it's Pilot Pip here with our second segment looking at how not to bump into things. In the first segment we looked at how not to bump into other aircraft, traffic collision avoidance. And in this segment we're going to take a look at how not to bump into the ground, terrain avoidance. Now, back in the 60s, 70s, and even today to some extent, what we call CFIT accidents were a big problem. CFIT stands for Controlled Flight into Terrain. This is where, for whatever reason, the crew have managed to take a perfectly serviceable aeroplane and through lack of situational awareness, perhaps, have managed to fly into the ground. Now, there were some common themes with these CFID accidents, perhaps loss of altitude after takeoff or excessive descent rates. But it was a big problem, so they came up with a system to address some of these issues. And this system was called Ground Proximity Warning System, GPWS. And later on, that was developed into EGPWS, Enhanced Ground Proximity Warning System. Now, the basic system, the first system, used radar altimeters and onboard barometric altimeters to monitor descent rates and altitudes. But it was fairly limited in that it could only look at the ground directly underneath the aircraft. So if the aircraft was going to, for instance, crash into the side of a cliff, it would have almost no warning as there'd be little change in the terrain until the very last second. So the enhanced GPWS added an extra layer. It took a digital terrain map, a global terrain map, and combines it with GPS data so that now the aircraft GPWS system knows exactly where the aircraft is on the earth and can see what sort of terrain is coming up so it knows if mountains are coming up or if there's cliffs and it can anticipate in good time. And this eGPWS system has seven basic modes, all designed to prevent CFIT accidents. So let's go through and have a look at the seven modes and what they sound like. Now mode one deals with excessive descent rate and this mode one kicks in when the aircraft's at or below 2,500 feet above the ground as measured by the radar altimeter. And depending on exactly how high above the ground the aircraft is, the system monitors the rate of descent and if it sees that the rate of descent is quite excessive then it issues a warning to the pilot and that mode one warning sounds like this. As well as that oral warning, sync rate, sync rate, there'll also be a visual indication. There's a red GPWS light somewhere in the cockpit that will light up. So just in case you haven't heard that annoying sync rate, then perhaps you'll see the lights. Now, if you hear this as a pilot, then the immediate action would be to stop that excessive rate of descent. So either pull back a little and reduce the rate of descent or stop the descent altogether. Maybe it was an unintentional descent. 
And if you don't, the next thing you're going to hear is this. And that pull-up message will keep repeating until the aircraft either stops descending or crashes into the ground. Mode 2 of the EGPWS attempts to keep the aircraft safe from excessive closure rates to rapidly rising terrain. So, for instance, you're flying along and you have hills or a mountain range rapidly rising up underneath you. If the aircraft senses that there's rising terrain 2,000 feet below the aircraft, it starts to monitor the closure rates. And when it senses that the closure rates are worsening, it issues a, a terrain alert. And if it continues to worsen, it will then issue a continuous pull-up alert. And Motu sounds like this. Terrain, 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 terrain. And that alert will continue sounding until the aircraft has passed at least 300 feet above the point at which the last pull-up was heard. And this is one of those modes where it utilises the digital terrain mapping, that global terrain map that we talked about. Mode 3 EGPWS looks at loss of altitude after takeoff or after a missed approach. Now the system is clever enough to realise when the aircraft is taking off or is in the missed approach. It looks at aircraft configuration changes, undercarriage and flaps, that sort of thing, and speed changes. So it knows if the aircraft's taken off or is in the missed approach procedure. And it monitors the aircraft climb. And if it senses that there's a descent of more than 10% of the altitude gained, then it issues an alert to tell the pilot that he's descending. And that sounds like this. Don't sink. Don't sink. Now that alert will continue until the aircraft starts gaining altitude again. And once it's above 1,000 feet above the ground, mode 3 is disabled. And it won't come on again until it senses that the aircraft is either in the missed approach or has just taken off. Now mode 4 EGPWS comes in several different flavours. After takeoff it builds up a, a safety net if you like which is 800 feet above the ground and if at any point the flight goes below that it will issue a too low terrain warning. But the real benefit of mode 4 is its unsafe configuration warnings. So with the digital mapping the system knows where all the airports are so it can adjust that 800 feet a safety net and it can adjust it down in the area of airports and if it senses that you're coming in for an approach and you don't have your gear down or your flaps down for instance then it will issue an alert and typically for the gear if it senses the gear is not down at 500 feet or below it will issue an alert that sounds like this now of course the thing to do to silence that warning is quite obviously put the gear down I can't think of any situations really where you'll be wanting to not have the gear down at below 500 feet. It also monitors flap position. So if it senses that the flaps aren't down uh, typically around 250 feet or less, it will issue an alert that sounds like this. Too low flaps. Too low flaps. Now with a flaps warning, you can in fact inhibit that because there are certain situations where you might be landing with a lesser flap setting or even no flaps so you want to have that function where you can silence that warning because there's a normal approach so you can override mode 4 if need be there's a little button in the cockpit you can just press and it will stop those mode 4 warnings with regard to flaps now mode 5 is a handy little tool mode 5 is looking at protection against excessive deviations below the glide slope whilst you're on an ILS approach to a runway 
Now, an ILS instrument landing system, I'm sure you'll know, is a landing aid. It consists of two radio beams, a vertical and a horizontal slope, which the aircraft can follow. A Mode 5 knows when you're on an ILS approach, and below 1,000 feet it becomes active. And if it sees that you've deviated by 1.3 dots below the glide slope, it will issue an alert that sounds like this. Now, if you continue to drop below the glide slope, those glide slope warnings will become more frequent and louder, and they'll keep going until you recapture the glide slope. However, depending where you are on the approach, the safest option at that point may be to initiate the missed approach. Now, again, there might be some situations where you don't want that warning. It may be a nuisance warning. Perhaps you're flying a localizer-only approach. This is a sort of half an ILS, if you like. It's the following the just the lateral guidance and not the vertical guidance so you can choose to disable mode 5 if you wish mode 6 is another one that has uh, lots of different flavors to it and these are largely user defined so the airline can choose which mode 6 call outs it wishes to have installed in its aircraft and the mode 6 uh, this is the mode that deals with the various automated altitude call outs the minimums call outs for instance and you can have all kinds of things you can have ones that call you at 500 feet or at 50 feet and 40 feet and 30 feet, and it calls out when you reach your decision altitude. This is a common one. This is what the decision altitude call-out sounds like. So here the system's letting you know that you've reached your decision altitude or minimum altitude on the approach. And this can be selected by the pilot. Typically for an ILS Category 1, it's 200 feet above the ground. But it can be less, it can be a bit more. But you set that altitude, and once you reach it, you'll hear that minimums call. Mode 5 also deals with excessive angles of bank. And again, this can be adjusted to suit the customer. But typically, in excess of 45 degrees bank, you'll hear a warning. And in fact, when you're closer to the ground, that critical bank angle can be lower to go off at, say, 30 degrees angle of bank, just to provide a bit of extra protection close to the ground. And that sounds like this. Bank angle. Bank angle. And finally, mode 7 is a very important mode. This provides protection against wind shear. Now, wind shear is typically associated with thunderstorms, and and wind shear is sudden and rapid changes in the uh, air currents. And what this means for the aircraft, it can rapidly change the aircraft's airspeed or put it in situations of very high descent rates, very close to the ground. So mode 7 becomes active below 1,500 feet, and it has lots of different inputs. It has aircraft configuration and speed and temperature and it's all geared to sense wind shear events and if it does so it will issue the following warning wind shear, wind shear, wind shear. now when you hear this you'll also get the red lights illuminating and there's only one procedure here and that's the wind shear go or the wind shear go around and this is to hit the go-around buttons, apply maximum power, and climb at the maximum possible rate of climb. So you pull the nose right back and let the airspeed decrease almost to the point of stall so you can get the maximum possible climb. And this is protecting against situations where you get caught in what they call microbursts, uh, these sort of uh, downdrafts from storms that can put aircraft into very high rates of descent close to the ground. And obviously that's a dangerous thing. So you need to get the maximum possible climb out of the aircraft. So if you get those wind shear alerts, then hit the throttles and go around and climb as best as you can. And you keep going like that until the aircraft is climbed safely away and the alerts stop. So that's EGPWS. 
It's a very good and very safe system, and I'm sure over the years it's saved lots of lives. Now, as a pilot, if you hear these alerts, do you really need to know that instant what mode it is? Mm, no, not really. All you need to do is act on those alerts, do something about it, because it's giving you a good clue that something bad is about to happen. In the next segment, we'll wrap up how not to bump into things, and we'll take a look at the weather radar and how not to bump into thunderstorms and other nasty bits floating around the atmosphere. But until then, fly safe. It's Pilot Pip signing off. Right, so from the Plane Talking UK podcast garden studio in Simon's back garden, uh, we're going to say goodbye for episode number 24. Yes. And don't forget, find us at our website, www.planetalkinguk.com. And also you can uh, contact us via there as well. Look for, out for us on Twitter and Facebook. Yes, and uh, also look out for us at uh, Riyadh. Um, I most probably have my Red Arrows t-shirt on this Friday, um, but I also have uh, our podcast um, info with us and our podcast clothing as well on a Saturday. So look out for us. Um, we've yeah, got we'll have our t-shirts on. The blue t-shirts and uh, the grey uh, jackets. Um, so come and say hello to us. Any questions you want to uh, ask, ask us, uh, just ask. Um, we'll be quite happy to answer them if we can on the spot. And uh, also, uh, if you just want to come and say hello. Um, yeah, do do come and say hello to me and Simon. Just like I said, we'll have blue T-shirts on. If it's cold, we'll have grey uh, jackets on with the Plain Talking UK logo on. So just shout at us. Nothing too nasty. <laughs> hello would be good. Yes. Um, and, uh, yeah, we look forward to uh, seeing some listeners then at Riyadh this we- uh, next weekend. Yeah. So uh, from yes. me, Carlos, it's a windy, sunny air show goodbye. Yes, and uh, for me, Simon, it's uh, a very uh, goodbye, and uh, keep your eyes to the sky for this uh, fabulous air show season, uh, which is going to be um, very uh, sort of emotional and uh, exciting this year. And um, I hope you've enjoyed our few uh, aircraft that have flown over and joined us on our podcast today, which is a little bit different than normal. Yep, definitely. So uh, from me then, again, it's goodbye. And from Simon? Uh, it's a very goodbye for me. Eyes to the sky. Eyes to the sky.